How many of you use the website Pinterest? Anybody in here? There's several of you, yes. How many of you men use the website Pinterest? <laughs> Not very many, I see that, okay. Pretty popular website, 300 million users monthly, okay? And if you've not been on it, you can see a little bit of that on the screen right now. It's basically online bulletin boards where you keep track of stuff that you want to get back to. And most of the categories or the most popular categories are things like arts and crafts and hobbies. I actually use Pinterest and you can see a little bit of my board on this short video that to keep track of recipes, okay? Because I like to cook. So you can see me looking for one of my favorite bread recipes as we go through that. Now, if you, if you think about that website, it is uh, used pretty frequently because there are four billion boards. That's with a B, okay? With 200 million pins, people keeping track of stuff that they wanna do. 70% of the users are women, but that still means that there's 100 million men who use it every month, okay? And guys, if you don't think you're interested, remember there are boards for antique cars, antique tractors, woodworking, there's all kinds of stuff out there. If you're interested in it, there's a board for it, okay? And you can get more information. Now, I love it because it does allow me to keep track of a lot of recipes and there's ways that you can use it to enjoy, you know, a lot of things you might be into, like your hobbies, arts and crafts, ideas, inspiration, all that stuff is awesome. Here's the thing, it is also easy, if we're not careful, to scroll through Pinterest and think, man, I could never do that. I, I'm, I could never be talented enough to make this thing that this person over here has done. I could never dress like that. I could never look that good. I could never have this because I don't have that kind of money. It's easy to look through that and think, I don't measure up to what these other people are doing, who they are, what they've become. Now that can happen on virtually any social media. That can happen when we're just around a group of people. But we live in this culture where Brene Brown describes this, she's a social worker researcher, as a culture of scarcity. Not so much that we, we don't have enough food or we don't have housing, that can be part of it, but it's really more than that. A culture of scarcity. We wake up in the mornings and think, I didn't get enough sleep. Right? Okay. We go through our day and think, I don't have enough talent. I can't get this done. A culture of scarcity. There's not enough of me to be the person that I want to be. There's not enough in my life to live the life that I want to live. And where that all leads when we say I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, we might have thoughts like that to say I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy of connections with other people, I'm not smart enough. If people only knew what I'm really like, they wouldn't want any part of me. And that leads to shame. I'm just not enough. Now my guess is most of us have dealt with that at some point. As children, our parents might have even made us feel that way. Sometimes shame can be a powerful motivator. And you may have had people in your life that thought they could motivate you to be a better person by filling you with shame. 
Or maybe you deal with that as a mom or a dad. Maybe you deal with that as an aunt or uncle, a worker, maybe even a Christian. We don't feel like we measure up. And so today we begin a series of lessons that I'm calling Pin It. Oh, it can happen with Pinterest, but it can happen in lots of areas of life. All kinds of interaction with people where we feel shame, where we feel like our lives are not good enough, where we want something more and we just can't find it. How do we deal with that as followers of Jesus Christ? That's what I want us to think about during the month of February. And of course, as we have our life groups that begin this month as well, we're going to talk more about that and overcoming these things through the truth that we find in God's Word. Because we're not the first ones to deal with this kind of thinking. It's part of human nature to feel that shame. To, and we need to address the voices that, in our, that are in our heads that lead us down that, that path. You know, what I know is that whatever you're good at, and you might say, well, I'm not really good at anything, but there's something that you feel more confident in your life about than most everything else, something you feel at least adequate about. We can always find someone who can do it better, right? Whatever it is, maybe it's your work, maybe it's something you enjoy doing outside of work, you can always find someone who can do it better and it makes us feel inadequate. I can listen to preachers online and think, man, they, they really know what they're doing, right? I'm just faking it up here, but they seem to really know what they're talking about. They have insights that I wouldn't come up with. It's easy to think I don't measure up. When we think about the way certain people live their Christian life, we might think, man, I wish I had that kind of faith in Jesus Christ. All sorts of areas of life where we might feel like I just am not good enough. And more than that, I'll never be good enough. I don't even know if I'm adequate sometimes, we might tell ourselves. That sense of inadequacy. Someone can always do it better. But the truth is, just because someone can do something better than us, that shouldn't create a sense of shame in our lives. And yet it does. Over and over again, it does. So how do we overcome that? That's what I want us to think about this morning. I want us to hear the truth of Scripture. And I think there's some words that God gives us that help us recognize that He does not want for us a life filled with shame. He does not want us to listen to the voices in our head that might tell us, you are not good enough. You'll never be good enough. You ought to be embarrassed to even try whatever it is you're thinking about trying. How do we deal with that? Let's think about that. I want us to look first at a passage of Scripture that goes all the way back to the very beginning. The story of creation that we find in Genesis chapter 1. At the end of Genesis chapter 1, we're coming to, we're coming to the end of the creative process. God has created the, the light he separated the waters, he's got dry land, he's got plants, animals. These are the words that we read. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. 
So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God says, when he comes to the making of human beings, let's make them in our image. Now, when he's creating plant life, God doesn't say that. When God's even setting the lights in the sky, the sun, the moon, the stars, all the galaxies that we can see, God does not say, that's in my image. When he makes lizards and elephants, he doesn't say, that's in my image. But when he created us, it was different. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean that we're created in God's image? What is it that's, that's God's likeness that has been placed on Adam and Eve, but also on you and me? What does that mean? Well, I think we could go down the list and we could think about some things. Like, we have an eternal spirit in the same sense that God is eternal. You and I have an eternal spirit. God can offer us eternal life because that is within us. We understand the difference between right and wrong. God has placed that within us as part of him. God is a God of justice, a God who knows what's right and what's wrong. We inherit that. We have that because we are created in God's image. We are capable of great self-sacrificing love. Where does that come from? I think that is part of being created in God's image. It's part of who you are because God's likeness has been stamped on you. And I think the list could go on. But we are special and set apart, sort of the culmination of creation. If you look at that whole Genesis chapter 1, we are at the end. We are special, different, because we are created in God's image. And here's the thing. If there is something of you that bears the imprint of God, then you cannot say, I'm not good enough. You can't say I'm inadequate. We should not experience shame because of who we are if we are made in God's image. And so that should remind us that there's something special about us that sets us apart from all creation because of what God said in those two verses. Another passage we could look at is found in the Psalms. Lots of psalms refer to creation, refer to the relationship between human beings and God, help us understand how God sees us. And Psalm 139 is one of those, and it speaks to how God sees us and how God saw us even before we were born. Verse 13 says this, For you created my inmost being. You hear that? God created your inmost being, the stuff that is the deepest inside of you, the thoughts that no one else knows, the things that you think you've kept secret, God knows. God knows. He made that. You knit me together in my mother's womb. God knew you before you were born, before anyone else saw you, God knew you. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden, when, hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came 
to be. God knew us before anyone else knew us. God knew what we would be like. God formed us. Not just Adam and Eve, but you and me. God made you the way you are, with his imprint. So we cannot say, I'm not good enough. I'm not adequate. I feel shame because of who I am. God made you. And he made you specifically the way you are. You are not an accident. You're special and valued and loved by God. And that leads me to the message that I think these passages teach us is that we're good enough because God says we're good enough. You're not good enough because I say you're good enough. You're not good enough even because your parents say you're good enough or your children do or your grandparents did or whatever it may be. You're good enough because God says you're good enough. God says, I made you in my image. God says, I made you before you were even born. I knew what you would be like, and that is good. Listen to how the creation accounts finish up. Back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, right at the end. This is the day that God made human beings Every other day, God says it is good. But on that last day, God saw all that he had made at the very end human beings, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Very good. First day, God says it's good. The second day, God says it's good. All the way down through the fifth day. But after he has created human beings and placed them in this creation, God says, here it is. It is very good. You're good enough because God says you're good enough. And so when you hear the voices that tell you over and over again, you're not enough. You're not adequate. You should feel shame. Those voices are lying to you. So listen to what God says. You're good enough because he says you're good enough. Three things that I think can help us keep that in front of us. We have to do this intentionally. It never comes naturally for us. So over and over we have to remind ourselves. The first thing is to see yourself through God's eyes. That's what Scripture has just told us. Now, this is hard to do because we see ourselves through the eyes that we look and see all of our imperfections. We see ourselves through the voices that we hear, maybe our parents, maybe our children, maybe our spouse telling us, you're not enough. See yourself through God's eyes because God is looking down on you and saying, man, this is the person I made. And I love you. And so over and over, we have to remind ourselves that God made us in his image. And this is the key to overcoming this sense of shame, this sense of scarcity that I'm not enough, my life is not enough, I'll never be enough. Back to Brene Brown, who wrote this book called Daring Greatly, and she writes this, It's as simple and as complicated as this, to overcome this sense of shame. If we want to fully experience love and belonging, we must believe that we are worthy of love and belonging. 
Where does that come from? Ultimately, I think it has to come from God. God says you are worthy of love and belonging because you bear His image. You're created by Him. See yourself through God's eyes. And as hard as that is, because we are not God, but we do have His Word. Listen to what He says about you as His creation, bearing His image. Second, stop comparing. Man, it is easy to feel bad about ourselves when we start looking at other people. Like you look at the, think about the people you graduated from high school with, from college with, or whatever it is, and somebody's doing more than you are. Somebody's accomplished more than you have. And it's easy to think, man, I, I just haven't done that well. I wasn't talented like they were. I didn't have the advantage that they were. I don't have the life that they have. It's not enough. It's never healthy. We will never really feel this sense of who I am and that I'm good enough if it's because I'm trying to compare myself with other people because I'll either find someone whose life is better, seemingly. I'll find someone who is more talented, someone who has accomplished more, someone who's got it together better than me, or I'll look and think, well, well, I'm better than that person, right? I've done more than they have. We'll never really understand how God sees us if we're comparing ourselves with other people because that's not the basis for why I'm good enough. I'm not good enough because I'm better than somebody else. I'm good enough. You're good enough because that's what God says. That's what God has blessed us with. And then finally, forgive yourself. One of the reasons that we feel shame is because we look on our lives and we see all the stuff that we've done. We see the mistakes we've made. We see the sins that we've committed, the words we'd like to take back, the things that have hurt other people. And they may have forgiven us. And God has forgiven us. But it is hard to forgive ourselves. You know, when we say... You're good enough because God says you're good enough. It's not righteous enough, right? Because we're all sinners, every one of us. It's not that somehow I am a righteous enough, a holy enough person. I've avoided enough sin, so I'm good enough. That's not it. Something deeper than that. Good in the sense of not just moral uprightness, because we've all failed on that. But good at the very heart of it, because that's the way God created you in a deep sense that you are enough. And when we look at our sin, we have to say, I need forgiveness. And that forgiveness comes because of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus, we are made good enough. We failed on that one. But we are forgiven. And so we have to forgive ourselves. And only as we do all of those things, seeing ourselves through God's eyes, not, not in comparison with other people, forgiven, having eternal life, only then do we recognize I'm good enough. 
You know, my guess is there are some people in the room who, even though you may hide it, even though there's not a lot of people around you who know how you really feel, you've, you've experienced shame because you felt like you weren't good enough. And I am not naive enough to think that 20 minutes in one sermon is going to make all that go away. But what I'm asking you to do today is to take what little bit I've given you this morning and start chipping away at that. You're not good enough because I tell you you're good enough. It doesn't matter what James Jones thinks. But it does matter what God thinks. And regardless of what someone else has told you, regardless of what you have told yourself, you are good enough. God said it. Let's pray together. God, we're just thankful that you love so much. Thankful that you created us. And then you told us that we were made in your image. I just put that in our heads. Help us to remember that when we feel inadequate, when we feel like we are not enough for ourselves, for our families, for our church, for you. Remind us that we're good enough. Prayed in Jesus' name. Amen.